Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Ecumen. We've uh, covered the beginning of the Ten Commandments, and now today we're moving on into the Second and Third Commandments uh, that were given to Moses. So, before we get going on all of that stuff, I'm going to remind everyone, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Please uh, like this video if it helps you, educates and whatnot. Make sure to subscribe to us and throw comments to us down on the bottom there. Anything you give on from our standpoint to ask questions and contribute to this conversation, we're happy to fire back and make sure that we're all having uh, more education happening outside of this video. So thanks again for listening. And then, uh, yeah, getting right on with it. Great uh, to have the band back together. That's true. Indeed. It's been a while. I know all three of us, PB and J. So it's uh, pretty building. surprising, actually. So we'll take it. Should give a good conversation then today. So moving on into question 224 of the Baltimore Catechism. So this is lesson 18, ladies and gentlemen. What is the second commandment of God? The second commandment of God is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And this one today, wowza. How many movies have you all seen lately where they blow this and you get to hear the name of Jesus Christ or God or whatever coupled with damn it or just go through all the other stuff? Man, it's disgusting. And Father Ripiger talked about this one as opening the door to demons of the air and we're wondering why things are bad or why they're getting worse. This is not one of the things that's helping us right now. There's a whole lot of weird things, too, when you when you go down the rabbit hole and not just the overt ones, like the GDs and, and all that stuff, but, you know, even when we say Gs, like, you know, that's kind of a spinoff. So the say. derivatives, yeah. Yeah, it's the derivatives. When you say stuff like, holy cow, I mean... Honestly, that's yeah. Pagan. I think it's I think it's Hindu, yeah. But like again, again, like you're saying that when you're you know the holy s you know sh like whatever it is, it's kind of mocking. Like there's any any number of ways, and at least in the English language, in which we have this emphasis of language that is either directly or indirectly mocking God when we're trying to show our anger or disdain and stuff like that. And it's really kind of least I catch myself. It's probably why Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that anything beyond a simple yes or no is of the devil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes like, just be direct, be descriptive, be precise, and then all of the expletives that are commonly added in the modern tongue, we really should think twice before even dropping you're those saying, out. saying like, dang it, that's just a spinoff of trying to curse something. And you know? gosh is in the dictionary as another word for God, by the way. Yeah. So everyone who says that, yeah. when they do the, oh my gosh, that is actually just as bad as what they were trying All to avoid there. saying. So yeah, just something to consider. And then this is not like the church or prudes, us individuals sitting there saying, no, you guys shouldn't blaspheme. This is God saying it. And as we move forward on the second commandment, explaining a little bit more why um God feels that uh, since he is creator of all things, that reverence is demanded here. So question 225 actually is, what are we commanded by the second commandment? By the second commandment, we are commanded always to speak with reverence of God, of the saints, and of holy things, and to be truthful in taking oaths and faithful to them and to our vows. I have to say, I have problems in terms of I don't do this well at all. Like there are many things that I know that I have been irreverent about, and it's just like, bad habits, I would say, in terms of talking about things irreverently, whether it's saints or whether it's, um, I would even include clergy into that in terms of just observations and commentary. And, and yeah. I don't know, I sign of the times and a difficulty that I think we all struggle with. Or how about the old school of uh, nodding our heads at the name of our Lord? That's something that's out of favor. Um, but yeah, this is, I think a lot of this is going to be cultural. I mean, how many bad habits do we have to break upon conversion? Uh, countless countless yeah i think we're still trying to clean up our i mean but even like even not only our own speech but also too then the speech of others oh right? yeah just when being around it just being around it and now you're sitting there going like all right now i you know and i know i've certainly failed you know because it's possibly oh, yeah. not convenient with whoever it is a work colleague friend or social sitting you know to be that guy and be like hey you know like could mm, you stop saying that i'm saying that uh, I think my mother always said, um, you know, when somebody would, 
bring our Lord's name or something like that. <laughs> just be like, you better uh, invoke someone who knows you a little better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why culturally or when it happened or if it happened in the church. Or, like, when did we, I guess, separate this from the rest of Passion? Well, Church? Our Lady of La Salette brings that up. That's like one of her, her big things that she brings up. Oh, for sure. In the mid-19th century in France. Farmers were yeah. doing it a lot out of frustration and then if we add on which to is that, interesting because the middle of the 19th century is ripe with a lot of famine let's <laughs> see we we mm-hmm. preached i think historically well on like restraining our passions of, of the flesh mm-hmm. and of the mind but this is a tongue it's, it's part of your body still you know but mm-hmm. i'm not sure if the emphasis was ever really placed on speech as much as it was on the flesh it probably was i, I think the thing is is that what we're looking at nowadays because you can see it in film and you can see it in literature is that it went from really rare. Like you can go look at like John Wayne movies and go look at stuff that was back 50s and even in the 60s. Well, we still had standards. There were still standards, but people were much more like, well, maybe let's just mm, he could be frustrated. But it was don't also say a lot that more creative. That too. Son of a sucking mule or something <laughs> like that, whatever it is. They say and some we, weird stuff. And now we're to the point where it feels like that's just the. Well, the way everyone has to blaspheme, you know, everyone was, has to show I think frustration. I was talking to your, your father, Pete, and um, when you know, obviously, him knowing quite a few more World War II vets than we did, and I've known a handful of my my time. Um, he said that uh, when Band of Brothers came out, that they got almost ninety nine percent of it right, with the exception of uh, they said they did not talk as foully as they do in that, that TV show. Um, but also, you know, here, here's Jake's hot take on, on when we might've gone astray on that, um, is free speech, right? It's this mm-hmm. idea that there's no more, a, there's no more blasphemy laws, right? That gets done away with once you leave, once Christendom starts breaking up and then be the idea that you can say whatever it is, like, you know, it's just that you just let everything off out of the cage at that point and to uh-huh. include pornography. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So when we put it all together, the we add this into the other thing. So we commonly hear. But I think it's accelerating. Whenever whenever we grew, veered off that track, however many centuries or decades ago, I think it's much more acceler uh, accelerating now. Um, just, I mean, even even kids like you see all those viral videos of of kids, you know, eight, nine, 10, yeah. 12 years old that are yeah. obviously very poorly raised and poorly behaved that are just. And before I forget, Whoa. I'm going to make sure to, to say here that, uh, and this is kind of a reminder to people who may have heard it once and hopefully information anyone who hasn't, you actually have the capacity in your distaste, your displeasure and your offense at hearing blasphemies to actually try to do reparations for those acts. You actually can say, uh, and this is uh, Father Ripperger, I think, was one of the ones talking about it. I think there have been others. But you can say, bless you, my God, or blessed be the name of the Lord. And whether to you counteract to or, counteract. Yeah. yeah. So every time you hear it, start saying those to actually sit there and try and turn it back. And then still, I mean, we still have Hail Marys. We still have other stuff. We still have the sign of the cross. But you have the ability to do reparations for those acts. Just don't forget those because those are the things we can do to actually make so the situation better. What's our what's everybody's recommendation when we. I actually in our uh, job and our day to day life. How do we go about it? Actually, nod my head and say, "Blessed be your holy name," and make people really uncomfortable. And, <laughs> and now a few people actually go. He gets invited to a lot of parties. Uh, yeah, I'm so popular. <laughs> we all have a problem with that. <laughs> Bri- Brian, the too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because eventually they're going to be like, "Why you keep nodding your head?" And I'm be like, "Well, you keep spouting blasphemies," and and then we have to talk about it. So now it's uncomfortable, and then we have to address your choice of language. Yeah, I suppose it's like a little. I guess humor is the best way. Just start calling people heathen, and then they'll they'll assume that you're just being over the top obnoxious. But in reality, you're telling the truth. I've also tough though. I've also, in my own experience, had a few moments where I actually was one on one or two on one kind of thing where it was a small group and they said it, and then I had to make the comment of, you know, you have actually made God mad by saying it. I now think you could have just stupider. Yeah, you could have just left that out of the conversation, and then by just saying, you know, hey. Maybe you should consider just not saying that because he doesn't care. I don't really want to hear it. I know he doesn't want to hear it. And that usually will do the same, make people uncomfortable, and they'll actually stop and think twice. Well, it also happens to be, at least mostly in my experience, people that tend to be very against the church. 
or organized faith in general. So why do you keep invoking my God? And the one time I actually told the guy, I said, why don't you just invoke Muhammad from now on? You know, was that, are they not going to tolerate that? Are you afraid yeah. of what the response would be? So why do you I think the, the thing that actually has me kind of worried, and I thought about this somewhat recently, kind of gave me chills is what our Lord says in the gospel. You know, he who denies me in front of man, you know, I will deny him from my father. And I kind of think about it the same way as like if I, you know, how many times I know there's probably countless, you know, um, times I've either done it or, you know, my younger years or or even now that I haven't had the chutzpah <laughs> to uh, step up and be like, hey, don't do it. And I had that thought recently and um, it's a pretty unnerving thought. You just got to confess it and move on and do better. Because, yeah. yeah, if you lay awake and only thinking about the tens of thousands of times you failed God. Yeah, you just, yeah. it doesn't end well. Um, but it's something that, you know, that I've thought about now. It's just like, you know, and it's kind of more of a, a call to action spur thing there, you know, like at that point, it's just kind of. Yeah, what do you got to lose, though? That's kind of how I started thinking about it. Well, eternity. <laughs> if you don't. Well, that's the thing. But, what but you if have, you but exactly. Do, but if you do, what do you have to lose? Nothing. nothing. Yeah. You know, when you put it in, in perspective like that, it's kind of sitting there like, eh, I'll be that guy. So yeah. I'll change it up. I'll be that guy at work. So moving on to question 226, what is an oath? An oath is the calling on God to witness the truth of what we say. So you've heard your, I don't know, I know I did. My mom telling me not to swear. I've heard other people say not to swear. This is what they're talking about. Like, you use the name of God when you're taking oaths to actually make sure that you're validating to everyone around you the solemnity, how seriously you take what you're about ready to do or what you're committing to do. So the whole thing we're trying to get at with this one is that don't swear if you don't need to. Don't take oaths or act like, I swear to someone to grave. <laughs> pump the brakes. Yeah, things like that. It's just think about all the different things that people have said, well, I swear upon blah. Like, why? For what purpose did you do that? That And I don't it's know if people just think about it. to die on. Yeah, and I think uh, they use Hebrews 6.16 here for that example. So talking about uh, swear by one greater than themselves and an oath as a guarantee of final sediment for all disagreement. So you just uh, think about it in terms of speech patterns and what you can do to actually avoid unnecessarily taking oaths and unnecessarily blaspheming. Well, I think that the, also the interesting thing is, too, is when you stop doing these trivial, you know, oaths just for the sake of... in. Um, for the sake of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, convenience or... Convenience or, or, or emphasis, right. right? If you stop doing that, ultimately you're... First of all, those are, are degrading what the actual meaning is. So by stop, when you stop doing that, the only time that you should be swearing an oath is, again, like the whole my word is my bond type thing. Like, you know, the only time you're ever bringing that up is a time in which people go... Oh, all right, we see how serious this is, and it reminds you again what is important and isn't important in life. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's not just a, it's a two point swing, if you will. We move into two twenty seven now. What things are necessary to make an oath lawful? To make an oath lawful, three things are necessary. First, we must have a good reason for taking an oath. Second, we must be convinced that what we say under oath is true. And third, we must not swear that is take an oath to do what is wrong. These are all really important factors in making sure that, again, we have an obligation to speak the truth in everything we do. We have an obligation to not lie. And we'll get to that commandment. So the eighth commandment will come up. But the whole point being is that if God wouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it either. If we're going to devote what we have, whatever little time we have, whatever little strength we have, whatever blessings we have to God completely, we really should not be promising anything beyond those behaviors which glorify God. There's some focus that really needs to be applied here. I agree. Moving on to 228. What great sin does a person commit who deliberately calls on God to bear witness to a lie? Oof. A person... That's, that's, a, that's a big oof, <laughs> as the meme goes. Yeah. A person who deliberately calls on God to bear witness to a lie commits the very grievous sin of perjury. And I know everyone's familiar with Bill Clinton. I thought that was just a legal term. It's not yeah, a secular. It's not moral. Surprisingly, Where are you getting this? Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly enough, all laws derived from God's laws. And the laws he set in nature. 
And so when we go contradictory to that, all of a sudden the lawmaker himself gets kind of angry or very, very gravely angry to the point where he'll actually destroy entire civilizations. Something to consider before taking false oaths or blaspheming and all the rest of it. Who's the current one? Is it Christine Blase Ford, Supreme Court nominee? Who lied about Kavanaugh? uh, Kavanaugh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just watch that footage for about five minutes, your blood will boil. It's just sad, the fact that people would destroy their eternal salvation, their state of being with God, all for whatever temporary gain they can get out of a really quick lie. And in this case, a lie that is actually designed to destroy the reputation and livelihood of another individual. So this that's grave. We're no longer in the like, oh, I just lied because I basically stole a piece of candy. No, you took this guy's life and destroyed it so he can never do certain things again. And never be looked at by people the same way again. about it. Like, I mean, that's how the end of the, uh, you know, so help you God. Like, you're literally uh, invoking God to help you do something against his will. Which he won't. Which he won't, and he'll be very angry about. That you even asked. Yeah, so uh, moving from there then, 229, what is a vow? A vow is a deliberate promise made to God by which a person binds himself under pain of sin to do something that is especially pleasing to God. Vow of marriage, vow of chastity, vow of poverty, vow of obedience. These are all things that come along with sacraments in this case. Um, But we have obligations to make many vows to God in all seriousness with just how we're supposed to live. And I want to, there there are baptismal vows that technically, is it vows or? I know there's promises. promises. There's commitments or... I'm also thinking religious orders in this regard. That's true, too. Yeah. Various um, vows of poverty, chastity. But I thought the uh, godparents make vows at the baptismal. I think godparents make vows as well. It's quite possible. But either way, the whole... Look it up. Yeah, the whole... Edit it in there, Pete. Well, what we can do is we'll uh, include a link or something, and we'll go from there. All right. 2.30. What is meant by taking God's name in vain? By taking God's name in vain is meant that the name of God or the holy name of Jesus Christ is used without reverence, for example, to express surprise or anger. And this is the one we're talking about, that after you start pumping the brakes in your own speech and you decide that everything you do is going to be reverent to God, top to bottom, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, any utterance you make is going to be reverent to God and you start controlling yourself, is when all of a sudden, like nails on a chalkboard, you will hear everyone around you who decided not to do that. And this is what makes a ton of entertainment intolerable that otherwise would have been like, oh, whatever, man. You wouldn't even think of it. It's one of the worst, one of the worst things trying to rewatch The Office. I absolutely love that show and uh, everyone, but particularly Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, just... They all do it, oh though. My. It's a oh, nonstop, but they all do it. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a common thing in a bunch of different comedies. And I find that as being a convert, converting then in the 2016 time frame and then going back and watching stuff that I'd watched prior to that, all of it, you end up seeing all this stuff that you never even would have picked out before. But blasphemy is huge all over the board and no one even thinks twice about it. It's it's disturbing, unfortunately. But but in the end, we should not be surprised and say the, the Lord's name in vain. If you're surprised, you can just do, oh, or wow, or there's a whole bunch of things that you could do that are not vulgar and are not blasphemous. So a consideration for dialoguing. Moving into question 231, is it a sin to take God's name in vain? Yes, it is a sin to take God's name in vain. Ordinarily, it is a venial sin. Now, here's the, the kicker on this one. So we remember the conditions for mortal sin, that it is a grave matter. We know it is a grave matter, and we willfully undertake that act. The reason it can be a venial sin is when you have a bad habit and you happen to exclaim whenever you smash your thumb with a hammer and you just say a blasphemy right there. It's venial because you didn't stop and think, you know what? I'm just going to say it because I'm so angry at God. You didn't do that. (laughs) Then it's venial. There's a lot of people who do that, though. They but, sit there and go, how can I make my point? But what I worry about is going back to this whole thing on entertainment. They are so bordering on it because the will is there. This is this is forethought is there. 
Well, they deliberately wrote it in the scripts. Some of them did it with the express intent of offending I mean, God, which I means mean, there's a, there's a gravity in there. There's a gravity that's known, uh, or or uh, at least they planted it. So maybe, I guess that I should say that again. They absolutely have the intent, and uh, it's a question of whether or not they realize how bad it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's really tough to think about. And and if you look at how many movies, here's the other thing I always think about too. It's already offensive just to have it said at all. So you heard a guy say it once. How offensive is it to have God have that film replayed a thousand times for a whole bunch of different audiences and he gets to just keep hearing it on repeat? It's like if someone made fun of you and they recorded it. And then what they did is they just put it on repeat so you could just hear it. Sounds like senior in high school. All day long. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing up his memories here. He's sweating now. Do we need to talk about this? (laughs) Still too soon. <laughs> Still too raw. I don't want to talk about it. Read my Next book. question. <laughs> so just something to think about. I, there's a lot of offenses going on, and then it's about how we can do reparations. But first and foremost, you got to know what's wrong first. So thanks for tuning in. Moving on to 232. What is cursing? Cursing is the calling down of some evil on a person, place, or thing. So here's the thing about cursing. There are love them or you curse them. Well, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle, maybe. But the the thing would be is it it's also when we talk about blasphemies, um, people often say cursing as well because whenever you do the when you add damn it to the end, you actually are now making yeah. a curse. You are actually asking or demanding that God damn whatever it is to hell, and even if it's an object or whatever. That no, you're taking a very trivial matter that really should be nothing on the level with God, and you included him to ask him to do something for you that you have no authority to ask for, and he has no capacity in his justice to deliver. You have just caused an offense. It's just stupid. And then there's the other level of cursing that actually is when we're getting into witches and we're getting into demonic stuff, paganism, and other things where uh, shamans, voodoo, all that, they are actually invoking demons with the intent to actually curse and cause harm and then they can actually apply curses to objects or people or places all bad but cursing has a really it's a you don't want to open that can of worms if you can avoid it Uh, it's true with most spiritual warfare topics yeah you can just generally avoid the minefield just walk around yeah don't do the hey did it right up the middle no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just easy. Don't curse things. Don't buy Ouija boards. You know, stay out of pornography. And, and you know, if you, I get hard drugs. Apparently, they've been cursed for decades now through uh, Santa Morte and all that. Well, and remember, Saint Benedict had uh, was it cursed or poisoned or both? I think it's poisoned. Yeah, poisoned at least. Uh, so you can curse food though too i know that they have talked about in africa they have a problem with shamans cursing food and priests then having to do blessings before they eat because of things like that so something to consider that there's a lot of bad stuff out there and our goal is not to contribute to it but to try to make it better all right we've used the term multiple times so question 233 what is blasphemy blasphemy is insulting language which which expresses contempt for God either directly or through his saints and holy things. We shouldn't be angry at God. God allows things to happen because he knows that we can overcome them. God allows us to falter and to suffer because in the end, he has given us all the tools with the sacrifice on the cross and the sacraments to get the graces necessary that we can overcome a bad situation. Why would we be angry about that? Well, we also can't ignore the fact that most people's crosses are designed and built by themselves. You you have natural ramifications to your actions, and we just kind of incur that debt on our own. Now, God may will it, and he may permit it to a certain extent, but uh, you have to be (laughs) at least have enough, uh, I guess, introspection to be like, yeah, some of this could be my fault, and now I'm reaping the rewards, reaping what I sowed. That sort of thing. But everyone tends to quickly just aim their gun at God and just, why is he letting this happen? Like, I don't know. You drink too much. You smoke two packs a day. Like, what did you think was going to happen? You're really angry and crappy to other people. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm being sensible enough about at the moment to really introspective. Generally, I come to the conclusion that pretty much every single thing that causes strife in my life is, is made by myself. 
Yeah, because even when you're getting pain that God allows you to have, because I would sit there and, and comment with uh, what Brian was saying is I don't know if we necessarily um, manufacture or design our own crosses, but I think we definitely play a hand in it with what God expects us to become. So he had already set up what our strengths can be and will be. And it's a matter of whether or not we accept it. And every single time we fail and face plant where we should have actually had a nice you know, 10 landing with his grace is where we actually ensure that now we have a new challenge that's going to come up ahead because we're going to have to knock off that rough edge we just made for ourselves uh, out of our own stupidity. The just gets heavier. It's, it's hard. I think it was St. Philip Neri. I think he said we're often the carpenters of our own crosses. Now, our Lord's cross that we would be issued, it does exist, but whether or not we yeah. tack on an extra 15, 20, or 50 pounds in the process, it's, you know, I'll show you. I'm <laughs> really good at that. Yeah, it's I'm a pro too, <laughs> but it's uh yeah. If at some point you get to a to a spot where you've added so much weight that you're not making it up that hill, that's why you, you have to that, go back to your cross though, right? Yeah. And start because you're an adult and you addressed it perfectly. You yeah. understand that you control. It's the scary <laughs> thing. It's like you know, it's like nothing says that we actually have to get the cross up Calvary if we keep messing around. Remember, the people that went to hell actually discarded theirs and just walked the other way. So. I mean, they, and they may, have, they may have suffered all the way to uh, Gesmus's position as well. They may have got all the way up, and then by the time they were actually on their uh, at their end, they're like, "Nah, I'm angry," and uh, my lost con- it. My consolation during this meditation in the Rosary is Christ didn't carry the cross by himself. So, I mean, eventually, that's, that's a future bishop and martyr, right? The Blessed Mother's there, Saint Veronica's there. So you got the Blessed Mother, you got the saints, you got the Church, Simon. Saint Simon. So. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to carry it alone, but at the same time, like you have to. You do have to carry it. You do have to actually pull your weight. So that's uh, yeah, because I fully intend to fail at every given moment. Uh, just that's a. Uh, I'm not blanking on the word. Same thing as a scapular. Same thing as sacramental. A, but uh, meditation on the uh, on the wound of Jesus' shoulder. I can't remember who said that. I'll have to look it up. St. Bridget, maybe? It might have been St. Bridget. Um, but yeah, look it up. But essentially, yeah, it's the... Uh, why? What is the... the? It's a meditation, but what... It's not the word I'm looking it's for. devotion. Devotion. There we go. Yeah, we did yeah. it. But uh, yeah, because that's the one that nobody ever remembers. And that's the one that caused our... He said caused our Lord the most pain was uh, his own cross on his shoulder. Yeah, that looks like Padre Pio... And yeah, uh, I think he's the one I I listened to, but I think St. Bridges actually also correct. I think it was uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. Oh, yeah, what I'm I'm seeing here is Padre Pio and Bernard of Clairvaux because I believe uh, Father Wotia, who would become known as John Paul II, was the one who actually asked Padre Pio which wound hurt Christ the most and of all the pains he suffered, which is interesting because you're looking at going, you got like staked through your hands and your feet and but it's so poetic because it's, it's the shoulder. one that it's the one that you can't see you know it's the one that he had for the longest essentially um every the entire step, walk yeah the entire walk every step you know every time he fell trying to pick it back up like and, and it's I, the one that no one remembers which is much the same in our own lives like there's a lot of times you know unless you have some overt you know medical condition in which very obvious i hope that's a pretty rough cross to bear like for by and large nobody really knows the extent of the crosses we each bear yeah Um, and i think that's the where the silver lining comes into this entire discussion because although it's somewhat negative the positive here is the fact that each one of these sufferings and each one of these pains that ultimately that people have the choice either to get angry at god or to just bear their cross with grace and glorify him that's the silver lining here if you choose to just take this don't blaspheme don't get angry and don't turn it back on him and aim at him like you can do anything to him um the amount of grace you can get back is awesome to just not blaspheme and to sit there and say before you blaspheme and realize you know what i actually did this all to myself why would i be mad at him he's giving me an opportunity to improve myself to get the grace necessary so that i can move forward and not only potentially reach salvation on you know at the end, I can help other people along the way because they got to bear crosses too. Like all of us have an opportunity to be St. Simon. All of us have an opportunity to be St. Veronica and you watch other people carrying their cross and you can be the guy who actually goes and helps them with their cross. You can be the one who actually comforts them and wipes their face off when they're actually suffering with, you know, 
Yeah, whatever. I had someone recently um, tell me, not of the Catholic persuasion, where I made the comment, you know, Jesus teaches us to embrace our cross, and that's not true. Well, he did it willingly. If you don't believe he did it willingly, uh, kind of kind of takes away from the sacrifice, right? Thank but you. you know, the idea of embracing your cross, as opposed to, like you said, as opposed to blaspheming and throwing it down and being angry, you know, it's to go back to the, the military, you know, phrase, you know, false motivation is still motivation, right? You may not be happy about it, but as long as you're picking it up and, and moving forward, eventually you will be motivated to keep going. Job wasn't happy. Job's one of the best examples of bearing a ton of cross. He's not happy at all, <laughs> but he doesn't turn on God and act like uh, God should fix it. He just sits there and says, well, you're doing this to me and I don't like any of it and this is terrible. And God's like, yeah, but you're still moving. So Job ends up being a good example of someone who actually bared a lot of crosses. Jonah like, just totally runs away from it, right? That's just, true. God still away. gets his way. <laughs> well, I want to say didn't, uh, I said, uh, Peter at the end actually thinks about walking away from his yeah. before he ends up turning back around and saying, nope, I actually need to go be crucified. I need to go where I don't want to go. And all right, here we go. So... I don't know. Take heart, some comfort in the fact that there are great saints out there who walked away from their crosses before coming back and saying, you know what? No, this is it. I'm in. And they went all the way to their death with it as a martyr, or they went all the way through their life as a confessor. So there's a lot of opportunity there for all of us. So or you can end up like Judas. Yeah. I'm one of the Roman soldiers. <laughs> uh, one of the Roman soldiers uh, mocks Christ for saying, why do you embrace, why do you embrace the cross? The method of your demise doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So that should wrap up then the second commandment. And then we'll move now into the third. So question 234, what is the third commandment of God? The third commandment of God is, remember thou keep holy the Lord's day. What does that mean? Sundays, ladies and gentlemen, are God's. And why Sunday? Because we're not Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> or, <laughs> more importantly, because that's when God rose from the dead. That's a pretty big day. That's when he defeated death. That is when everything came to fruition. The covenant being fulfilled. All the offering is given. God is now able to give grace back. The doors of heaven can now be opened. Like, Sunday's a really big deal. This is why Easter is the biggest of all of the holidays. All of the holy days of our entire year. Because that's when Christ defeated death. And he gave all of us the capacity through his blood and his sacrifice to defeat death. And as a result, since that is the biggest, I would say, uh, accomplishment of all, from the standpoint of that any of us can attach ourselves to and merit from to keep ourselves out of hell, like maybe we should also commemorate Sundays. Seems logical. Sounds like kind of a big deal, Pete. (laughs) Almost like we should... (laughs) Be going somewhere on those days. Every single one of them. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even so this is a pet peeve of mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Just go it out there. there. Just do it. Vigil masses are dumb the way they're being done right now. I'm just gonna go and drop that out oh, there. The dispensation. The weird dispensation that were originally made only as some Five o'clock Saturday mass, and I can go out drinking. For those people that have to work on Sundays, don't you know? And then it turned into not just a dispensation for those people who work on Sundays, but for everyone who wanted to be lazy and not actually go on a Sunday. And so, if you're a person out there who's listening to this, and you actually go to work on a Sunday, and you're a cop or something else, like some emergency worker that has no capacity, a soldier who has no capacity to say, "Well, I'm not going to work today, boss." If you're not one of those, um, sorry. If you are one of those. I totally get what you're going for. That's why that dispensation exists. But for everybody else, go to Mass on a Sunday. That's God's day. Saturday is not it. <laughs> well, you also have the the subcategory of people that can't because of the nature of their work or if they're just... Or livelihood. Yeah, it's all about livelihood. I worked as a server and a bartender, you know. Yeah. Sunday brunch, unfortunately. It's sad, but that was pretty much... That's like a 30% of my money uh, for the week was made. Well, the thing, is, the thing is, is that... In that instance, which, which is what sucks about having a culture that is not existing for the glory of God, you end up in a situation where the businesses are open that shouldn't be open necessarily right. on Sundays. Now, I would sit there and say that food is a different circumstance. Why is food a different circumstance? 
everyone still needs to eat on Sundays, people. <laughs> you can't, yeah, yeah, you I mean, can't plan ahead and be like, no, no, no. I'm good Sunday. I don't need any food. And that's yeah. not how this works. It's a celebratory day. We're all going to eat. We all got to eat. So does that mean you need workers who are actually still out there able to get food to, to people? To some extent. Yeah. Not the way it's done, yeah. though. But not the way we it's done. In bottomless mimosas on Sunday, you know, sitting there for a two and a half hour brunch. Celebrating drunk. the Lord's Day. You mean committing sin is not a way? Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it, it's important for us to actually realize that everything that we're trying to do on that day is supposed to be completely oriented towards God. This is when we're supposed to be doing our study and trying to expand our meditations on God. So it's more than just the mass. It's more than just me spending some time in a building offering the son to the father, although that's a great start and it's the center of the day and everything else builds from that. You don't just throw it out and be like, all right, now I'm just going to go act like a hedonist and walk away and do nothing. I can't be totally lazy from the standpoints of there's other things I can do on a day of rest other than sleep and just. Well, it's, it's kind of what Jake said earlier. It's about being an adult, right? So yeah. first it's introspective and you're understanding that you are the cause for most of your problems. But this is the other one I'm going to call out. Just be an adult. Like if you have been blessed with a job that gives you the weekend off, like most decent jobs do, then just get out of bed. Don't drink all night on Saturday. Get out of bed. Go to mass. Do the right thing. And if you can't make that simple choice for God Almighty, like you got a long way to go, even for the basics. He gave you everything, and the he's asking is, for a minimum of a day. The a other week. thing is, guys, and I don't disagree with anything y'all just said, is understand that that the preternatural forces out there. Because I'm just speaking from my own experience. If there's a time at which they are going to attack you. It's going to be Sunday morning. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. there have been days, just being totally honest, there are days in which I can't get out of bed. For whatever reason, I'm just mentally depressed, oppressed, whatever it is. Because guess what? That's, of all things, that's what the devil doesn't want you to do. Is all to the kids are it. fighting on that day. Yeah, yeah. The, the missus the wife, isn't, isn't arguments, happy. Like, you know, you the car is like breaking crap, down. You feel depressed. Yeah. You feel sad. You can't even be bothered to, you know pick up the living like whatever it is you know just like put your house in order not do an actual yard worker or, or anything like that right that we're called the rest but like you know everything just seems bleak and terrible and you didn't go to mass because you're whatever's going on you know you're being assaulted and then obviously because of that now you're even more depressed and like and talk about just a terrible start to the week in next week's episode jake and i will be talking about asadia about an hour and a half <laughs> the noonday devil folks yeah good book by the way yeah solid no you're right though it's because that's the opportune time like strike mm -hmm. you know, strategically how many times like when i was a kid growing up like was that when my brothers my parents my parents and my brothers and i like everyone's fighting like like really really bad heading to mass everyone's in a bad mood picking on like whatever it is and obviously not a clue why that is as a child you know looking back on it now it's like oh. so we've been hitting the early low mass the last few weeks and i hit him like a flashbang like, i do like the uh the, the early low mass because it's just like you don't have any ability to sleep in and well that's it so with the kids right i just go in boom it's like basic just kicking doors trash cans like get up blah, blah, blah. the next thing you know they're in the car they're waking up right next thing you know they're there then all of a sudden father comes out and it's like they don't even know how they got there Right? It's just perfect. It's like just absorbed. I blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up in mass. <laughs> then uh, an hour later, they get the whole day, right? The the hard, mm -hmm. just over that hump is done. and The day you know. is so much better, too. Once, you, once you've, like, pulled off the great, you know, the families, the great challenge of getting everybody there, and you're out of mass, like, A, you all, you know, provided everything was met, you know, fasting and, and state of grace. Everybody's partaking in the blessed host. Right. And then, you know, everybody's kind of like, whew, I did what I was supposed to today. Like, what a great time to go back now. We're all in a good mood. We've done, we've done, it's the, it's the, the satisfaction of accomplishment. Right. You know, I got done what I was supposed to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I have in my, in my life, I've felt that where that Sunday morning going to mass is you just feel it for whatever it is. And everybody just, just get up and go. And it's like, Unfortunately, whether it's whether it's a, a actual chemical imbalance, like whether you're clinically a depressed person or spiritually, whatever it is, like 
you're under a lot, you know, and we're not our own slaves, unfortunately. It'd be great if, if there was just me in like perfect introspective mode sitting on my own shoulder, just like, you know, with pulley system, just, you know, like the puppet, <laughs> you'll do this. But unfortunately, we're not our own slave. So that's why everything we've talked about, a good prayer life, you know, uh, partaking in the sacramentals and uh, discipline, discipline, all that will make that easier because that's the weekly challenge in which, you know, the probing attacks will happen. That's the, if I could sum up that entire book in one sentence, that is basically which, which book? Uh, the uh, Noonday Devil. Mm-hmm. Stay in your cell. You stay in your cell. You stay to your schedule. You rigid make a rigid prayer plan that is appropriate for your life. Don't don't aim high. We're just, not all monks that can spend. Yeah, just have a hours. two two to five minutes a morning, two to five minutes evening. Throw in a daily rosary. But no matter what happens, set a time and stick to it, and that alone will help you pull through the the junk, the garbage, the outside pressure, the inside turmoil. Um, it's the best advice I fail to follow a lot. I know. Because yeah. I, I struggle with this I as feel well. The same, I feel the same way now. So, yeah, when I'm consistent, though, mm-hmm. uh, it, it helps tremendously. It's the same thing when, you know, when you hear, you know, the, uh, not just spiritually, but like also the physically and, and mentally, psychologically, too, like, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, I want to lose weight or whatever it is. And you hear someone like uh, after this pizza, Jake, yeah, exactly. After <laughs> it's always it's always like, all right, well, I'm definitely starting on Monday. Or whatever. But someone like Joe Rogan's just like, just start, just walk, just start doing. He's like, do anything, just something, just get moving. Because and, you know, and then you hear Jordan Peterson's the same way when he talks about his uh, future authoring program or whatever it is. And, you know, write down, you know, five years, what you want your life to be in five years. If everything goes really well, what it will look like. It goes really, really poorly, and you end up in hell. What it'll look like, and he goes. The, the hardest part is getting people to just write it down because they go, "Well, what if I do it poorly?" And he goes, "That's the point." But the idea is that if you've done it, it's on paper. It's something you can now. It's the idea of it's easier to revise and than create type thing. So just do something, even if it's poorly, even if you're getting to mass ten minutes late. Like you know what I mean, like. At least you're there. Still counts right? as long as you're ahead of the gospel. You know what I mean? Like at least you're there, and you you have a a, a mark to start from the next week. I would you even say I mean? go on Saturday if that's if that's the case. You know something like uh you know even if you yeah it's uh but you just gotta just move forward. Just again we were talking about earlier. Just pick up the cross and start moving forward. You know. All right. Question two thirty five. Why does the church command us to keep Sunday as the Lord's day? The church commands us to keep Sunday as the Lord's day because on Sunday Christ rose from the dead and on Sunday the Holy Ghost descended upon the apostles. So you're talking 50 days after the uh, rising of the dead of our Lord. Um, you have two great events happening. So two great holy days happening on Sundays and therefore every single Sunday becomes that commemoration of those wonderful events. So it's always good to contemplate them. And give yourself back to God. If he gave you everything, he gave you infinity in one day. <laughs> Come on, you can give him a few hours and some mm-hmm. focus to make sure you can try to get back in his uh, good graces and stay there. Yep. It's literally an hour. <laughs> That's it. Well, the, or an hour the and a half, depending on the priest. <laughs> it's true, but I've, I've still watched longer football games. Oh, right? I know. Well, How easily we can sit on a bar stool and watch an afternoon of football for a a professional, te- a professional team that we've never had any any attachment at all, or a college team that we didn't go to that college. The other one, well, like, and how long? All day. People can sit there and play poker for hours. People can sit there and play video games for hours. People can movie marathon or binge, you know, movies like crazy for hours. Like, come on, you can put in whatever it takes you to go to mass. You probably, even when you get home, could even stop and say, maybe, I don't know, think about where you're going to put a rosary somewhere in there. Are you going to go and say your rosary in the morning, in the evening, whatever? Are you going to crack open some scripture? Are you going to look at any of the writings of the church fathers or the doctors? Are you going to talk to people about your faith? Anything. And even if all you do is let them maybe just go for a walk and just meditate that way. Like There are so many different things you can do in that day. There's 24 hours, and of those, you're awake for at least 10 to 15 of them, right? So maybe more. Come on, you can... Hopefully th- longer than 10. Hopefully sure. you're longer yeah. than <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> but you have tons of time. A lot of afternoon naps. I want to distill it to this. This is kind of, 
I, I think the key thing that kind of snapped me out of, of some of this mental gymnastics, mm-hmm. it's just an hour, right? But yet I can do all these things. That's not this. So what is it about this thing that's holding me back? Why is my, my body fighting me? My mind, my, my self-discipline, is it not there enough? The world. The world, other forces, unseen and unseen. What is it really about that 60 minutes that you just can't sit tight and be mindful? I guarantee it's, it's not boring if you actually know what you're looking at. Yeah, it ends up being a very interesting thing because you have to remember in that building you have the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, the Son empowering the priests to offer body, blood, soul, and divinity to the Father, all empowered by the Holy Ghost who does the conversion of the the host and the wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, all the while witnessed by 3,000 thrones uh, in Father Martin Van Cochum's The Incredible Catholic Mass. Read that book if you want to be inspired and be just blown away by all the things you could be contemplating that are going on in that event that is the sacrifice of the mass you're tied right there with the sacrifice on the cross it's amazing there don't get me wrong i'm not saying that all of us here do not have moments where we daze out and moments where we sit there and we're getting lost in oh i forgot to do this one thing or oh i i have a headache or oh man i'm really hungry or whatever it is we've had moments where we just daze out and we have to force ourselves to come back just don't revel in in your distractions Um, but when you just stop to think about it with whatever aids you have, um, it is immensely meaningful, infinitely meaningful. And this is the, why I would actually recommend to go to a traditional parish or to the cathedral, someplace where you're going to have the artwork and the statues still there. If you end up finding a traditional parish, the thing you get out of the traditional parish is up with all of the artwork and all of the, whether it's the statues, the mosaics, the paintings, all of that stuff. In the end, it allows you to have things to help you focus if you start getting lost. Because you can go back to any one of the mysteries. Um, Like, for instance, in terms of the one we have local that's amazing, stained glass actually has the entire Gospels in the stained glass. Yep. And so if you start... the older ones, too. The lower ones would be New Testament. The older ones, the upper uh, stained glass would be Old Testament. And you see the Stations of the Cross and the way the church is laid out. And... Everything about how a actual uh, church, like a Catholic, how it, church, an yeah. actual Catholic church, how it was built and how it has been decorated and and everything about it is it's literally geared. It's made in order to keep us focused on the, the sacrifice of the mass, the sacrifice of the mass. And so, when you look at some of the newer churches and you walk in, and it's kind of just like a set up like an AA meeting room or something like that, you know, the Ikea table. No wonder people have a a hard time staying focused at Mass. No wonder people have a hard time even getting to Mass, you know, because there's no awe, there's no grandeur. Um, and no reverence. No you, reverence. You just, it's like, it doesn't and it all just feel old. It all just crumbles. But the reverence starts with the architecture, right? And then by the time you get to communion in hand, it's why bother? And it's over. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, look at like some of the old uh, uh, Gothic cathedrals, like something like Notre Dame, Notre Dame, um, you know, the idea that they had all those gargoyles, you know, for a, a population that was by and large illiterate for Till centuries, the 1800s, millennia, um, essentially, you know, it's in the middle of their town square and stuff and they're going by and it's a, it is a physical, like um, pictorial reminder that if they find themselves on the outside on the Sabbath, that's what is waiting them, right? They have to, on the Sabbath day, they have to get inside in order to be protected from these demonic creatures that are everywhere. And it's, and you know, and then you hear various sects of whoever talking about, oh, the proof that the Catholic Church is demonic and stuff. And it's like, no, like you have to understand what, what those buildings, how they were made, what it re- meant to those people that, it was a reminder like, hey, everything gets closed down Sunday. We go inside to seek shelter and to rejoice in the, the holy sacrifice. Because we're not pantheists and God is on the altar and receiving from the altar and working on the altar. That's where he resides. So inside in the Holy of Holies, 
that's where you want to be in the light and outside is darkness and all of that symbolism is taken away and all of that helps drive and motivate and help you focus so i definitely would recommend over and over and over again go find some place to go to mass that you can actually find all of the artwork and all of the symbolism to get you in the zone so to speak yeah. to focus on what's happening up I there mean, and if so, that's all you can do is you know because you're locked away in some third world prison or whatever it is and all you can do is you know come together to say a rosary in there all right fine but by and large if you start just doing if you know the protestant way of thinking about you know hey we'll just have essentially a bible study together or whatever it is like i can do that at home before you know it i'm not actually doing it at home and it just again it all just falls apart um what happens if your bishop or governor shuts you down because the the commandment isn't exactly for liturgy right it's for worship something something above and beyond Hopefully Catholics were keeping that going for a while. Well, and Our Lady of Akita has said if, Our Lady you know, of if you haven't says, heard it at the end. There's only two things that are going to be left. Two weapons left will be the sign left by my son in the rosary. And Our Lady of La Salette even tells the children that, you know, at some point there will be no one worthy enough to offer the stainless sacrifice. So, you know, I'm not saying necessarily maybe we're not here yet. Maybe it's, you know, a week away, a month away, a year away, a decade away, whatever it is. But eventually there will be Catholics. They'll be completely denied the ability to go partake in, in the sacraments. Um, and whether that's for whatever reason, we're underground, whoever, you know, not here to speculate. There's plenty of other times we can get together to talk about all that, the, that stuff. But, you know, there will be. So while you're here and while you have the opportunity, you know, don't take it for granted because it won't always be there. Yep. yep. Question 236. What are we commanded by the third commandment? By the third commandment, we are commanded to worship God in a special manner on Sunday, the Lord's Day. And like we were just saying, Mass is your primary focus. That's your goal. Get there and prepare yourself for it. Make sure you fast it ahead of time. Right now, canon mandates you have to fast from bread, water, so food and water, food and drink for at least an hour. Period. Done. There is no exception. If you can't do that, you cannot participate in communion properly in a way that is reverent and lawful in terms of what God has told us. Um, in it the used to be a long, a lot in longer. In the 1917 canon, it was three hours. Yep. Before <laughs> that, it went into somewhere like eight. It's something like, yeah, you're talking about since like the night before. and, and Midnight was yeah. the you know, standard. Because, I mean, you know, and I know other other people have talked about it before. RTF guys, I, I think, are the ones I'm remembering. But, you know, we just talked about mass is an hour, hour and a half, depending on you're in a high mass, depending on how long the homily is like. You could be, you know, with this one hour fasting before the, the Eucharist, like, you could be, you know, finishing your cup of coffee and your, you know, croissant, like, as you're walking in the door and, you know, depending on the timing of things. Whenever so communion happens, it's as long really as it's an not, hour away. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not really a whole sacrifice. Uh, essentially, you're just being asked, don't be eating in the pews and how yeah. hard is that? And again, to emphasize and footstomp what uh, we were saying earlier about Our Lady of La Salette, what happens if you find yourself in a situation where you may not have access to Mass, you still have an obligation to keep the Lord's Day holy. So even though the the bishops at, a, at any given time may choose to do something like dispense the faithful from Sunday Mass, they cannot dispense us from the Third Commandment. So what Brian's bringing up very aptly Find a way to make sure that day is actually still God's. Make sure that, if, okay, you can't do the Mass, then do something that is actually for the glory of God. Because the thing is, I'm going to say, I don't think we're always going to have this streamed Mass thing that they're doing right now. I think that's going to go away at some point. Not to date ourselves. Right. But either way, it is. I mean, you're not going to be able to just watch it on TV or whatever to make up for the fact that you couldn't go to Mass. And again watching on tv doesn't count that's not going to mass so well, it only counts for protestants right because the whole point of mass is to partake in blessed sacrament in the presence of god with his not, body blood soul it's and not divinity. bible study you know it's not like this televangelist stuff yeah um i mean and there were times in which think of the heroic catholicism of, of generations past you know in ireland they used to have coded messages and songs in the uh in the streets in order for you know the priests that were on the run they would get their message out and it would be like a call and response poem of essentially did you see my love is she looking for me and then the person you know standing there you know saying yes i was at the rock yes i saw your love and either yes she was looking for you or no 
she was not. And that would be, and people would know then, like the word would spread and they would meet at night to go partake in mass on the pain of death. We are a shadow of her fathers. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, like that is an insane of like, you know, and now here we are again, not to date ourselves, but here we are in, in today's, you know, time and age in which, you know, we're worried about whatever flu and somehow that we're going to allow that to keep us from not a good look. Again, not a good look. The saints of old are not impressed. <laughs> because the creator of all things has told us you will do one thing on Sunday. Get to mass. And how awesome it, would it be, you know, not to sound too zealous, but, you know, if you end up in a time and place in a country or whatever it is where they are locking up or even worse Catholics that are keeping holy the Sabbath day. How awesome is that to go down literally doing what you're commanded to do? Yeah. That's about as, it's about as close to being killed for your faith as you can get outright of somebody saying like, you know, deny the Lord or, and be saved or, you know, whatever it is. And you say, no. And, and this is question two thirty seven. How does the church command us to worship God on Sunday? The church commands us to worship God on Sunday by assisting at the holy sacrifice of the mass because God commanded it to happen. And his immaculate bride will answer his call and do that work. And we have an obligation as part of the mystical body to go in there and do that for the glory of God. So come on, just answer the commandments of God. It's a big deal. So 238, what is forbidden by the third commandment of God? By the third commandment of God, all unnecessary servile work on Sunday is forbidden. And I'm going to read the last two because we're going to combine them all here. 239, what is servile work? Servile work is that which requires labor of the body rather than the mind. And 240, when is servile work allowed on Sunday? Servile work is allowed on Sunday when the honor of God, our own need, or that of our neighbor requires it. So what we're saying here is that if you would have the help, do it. You'd have a servant do it. You'd call in a guy to take care of it, like, say, mowing. Don't do that on a Sunday. You don't need to do it on a Sunday. Um, if it's things like, honestly, there's certain... You should not be dusting on a Sunday. You should not be doing all the little things that you could have prepped all week. You could have taken your Saturday to do all of that nasty work, which is basically what my family does. Saturday is just crazy in terms of trying to get every chore done from, like... Can confirm. Dawn till dusk. And... It's all what about what is wrong with these people. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> There's nuance here, though. So, yeah. uh, as I had a confessor once tell me, we're not Jews, so let's not take this, you know, to mm-hmm. a Pharisaical route. How dare you? I know it's just shocking. Once you're baptized, though, <laughs> I hear you're not a Jew anymore. But it's um, <clears throat> sorry, we went there. Um, anyway, what I was saying <laughs> threw me off. <laughs> So it's letter of the law in the in the spirit, right? So mm-hmm. you, if you're having company, someone's popping over, like you can clean up a little bit. There's charity in making hospitality happen and you know, making someone feel comfortable and, and tending to those needs. But Pete's right. If you just put off doing three loads of dishes from Friday night and now it's Sunday, like that's kind of on you, bro. Like you just you need to work out your life. But there's a there's a there's a point where you have to think about it like uh, this is one that always comes up the lady that loves gardening but i like gardening it makes me relaxed and i feel my good. wife i wasn't calling anybody <laughs> out specifically i just learned that officially uh but it's not the first time i've had that conversation where it's like yep. well is it really a hobby or is it a necessity or like i don't know how to address some of that sometimes and the problem is is that it's all timing now the thing is is say it rained for two solid weeks and you haven't been able to get out there and everything's going crazy and you're actually going to lose some of your plants and all that all of a sudden, it just went from like, okay, I don't really have any other time to take care of this. It's the whole thing. Yeah, of, you left a window open and all the leaves blew in. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. you yeah. are allowed to now sweep yeah. up the leaves and not just let all this weirdness just... This is know. the whole thing that uh, Christ brought up with the Pharisees. Would you not save one of you know your flock on a Sunday? No, you would. That's... you. So you have things you got to take care of. And that's why like, you're going to eat three times on Sunday. You're going to make some dirty dishes. Yeah. You're going to probably wash them up because you don't want to go into with all the, the creatures that will come showing up with whether they're bugs or whatever. Like you will pick up after yourself. You're not just going to leave laundry everywhere. I mean, maybe you're not going to go do the loads of laundry, but just it's just think it out. Be reasonable. And again, it's servile work. So then remember, 
you have people that you hire to do things like accounting. <laughs> you have people that you hire to do things like architecture work and you're talking home construction and any other weird physical projects in a workshop. Like that's all servile work. Now, by contrast, reading, writing, art, those are all not servile at all. Unless maybe you're doing them for... Unless you're doing it for some purpose, like your normal job that you could have done it another day. And the question is, did right. you have to wait till Sunday or not? But then the other thing is, is what's the topic? What if you're doing it for your church? What if you're doing it sure. for the faithful? What if you have an obligation to teach them, to educate them? And so you're writing and you're doing things like this type of catechesis for other people. Those are all things that you can do on a Sunday. Again, it's the Lord's day. Your goal is to get salvation to other people are you aiding in the salvation of someone else by your work that's going to be a huge indicator as to whether or not you should do it or not so i don't know if you guys have anything else to add on that i would just yes you can you can be really scrupulous at times and don't overthink it yeah that's a fair point yeah because there's a couple of times i've been hung up around the axle like is this i needed to go to the store but then i just said it right i needed it it's not a could it have waited? If it, in my case, if it's something I can live without, um, you know, I guess if we're doing out with dinner. But if it's something happens, you lose yeah. something, you still have to eat. Yeah, I'm going to stop and get gas on the way back from church so I don't run out of gas Monday morning trying to get to the gas station. But <laughs> unnecessary commerce still counts as servile work. So you don't want to go into the clothing store and just stand there for three hours trying everything on and seeing whether you like this or you don't like that. Yeah, or, that's shopping. That's, yeah, don't that, do that. you got to go by the man's version of, I'm going in to buy this thing and I'm leaving in seven minutes. Yes, but your kids destroyed all of your clean clothes and you're the only thing you could possibly do because if they're fun with the laundry is you have to go buy a shirt. Yeah, go buy a shirt. Yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So use discernment. And uh, hopefully that helped all you guys to look at the second and third commandments. So again, as the ecumen, Pete, Brian, and Jake, we thank you for spending your time with us. Hopefully this was educational. If you would like, throw comments to us, and we will be happy to answer them and add or expand on anything else that uh, you wanted to hear more about. We are looking at uh, finishing this up here at some point. So stay tuned as we drop more of these episodes out there for you all. And uh, make sure to... That's right. Knowledge is power and Hopefully ultimately it's, yeah, it gets us closer <laughs> to salvation. That's our goal. So like this video. If you thought it was helpful, make sure to subscribe. Please share it with other people out there. Again, all of your shares really do help us out and we appreciate it. And uh, until next time, St. Joseph, pray, pray for, for us. us.